0: Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. What a Christian should be. And uh, the Beatitudes is what they're known as. That word blessed, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 5 this morning and join me in the book of Matthew. and Matthew chapter 5, you'll notice the word blessed uh, used throughout the Beatitudes from verse 3 on down. That word blessed means to be happy. Uh, it means to be blissful, filled with bliss, or to be filled with joy. And some have said that this passage here is the key to happiness. Uh, God's key to happiness not not the world's key to happiness but God's key to happiness and if we uh not only understand this we will find the happiness that God has for us today not not just for the future but happiness today and our passage this morning in Matthew chapter 5 is verse 4 verse 4 says blessed are they that mourn you could put happy there happy are they that mourn for they shall be comforted happy are they that mourn Okay, let me start this here because uh, this is an interesting statement, is it not? Uh, we don't associate happiness with mourning usually. We we associate the opposite. But the Bible tells us that we can be joyful or find joy in our mourning or in our grief uh, from God. So let me start with this. I wish I could tell you that you will never hurt in life. I wish I could tell you that you'll never be filled with sorrow. And this morning as a pastor, I wish I could tell everyone here that you'll never grieve. I'd be lying to you if I told you that, because I can't tell you that. Um, In this world, there's probably more sorrows than joy, and at times, more pain than pleasure. You know, Job said, yet a man is born into trouble, and as the sparks fly upward. Now, that's not to discourage us. That's just to see the reality of life. We're going to have some difficult days. There's going to be some mourning and some grief as we go forward. So what is it to mourn? What is it to mourn? This word here, we're talking about mourning. Uh, That word means a strong grief is what it's referring to. Now there were several uh, we'd call words in the Greek language that referred to grief. Some have put them at nine. This is the strongest of all of them right here. This is the strongest word for grief and for mourning. It refers to what we call a deep inner agony, just a deep inner agony within. It's the word that was often used for grieving the death of a loved one is the word. Um, so it's not just the tears, not just the outer expression. This refers to a heart, the broken heart, just someone hurting within. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've had that happen in your life where you've just been hurting, grieving. Uh, well, this morning I hope to encourage you. I hope to encourage you. Because in this verse we find what's called a paradox. It's almost a, how can someone be happy yet mourning and finding grief? It's, it's confused many people. But let's see, let's see this morning what we find. Alright, let's see what we find because I believe we can be happy, even though we're going through these difficult times. So let's look here. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, I read it. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to give you just three thoughts from this uh, passage here. The first one is, a Christian will hurt. Okay, a Christian will hurt. And that's what we need to understand. There are going to be times of pain and times of suffering. First off, uh, no Christian is exempt from difficulties and from grieving and mourning. Now we have what we call first a general sorrow. That's what I talk about first a general sorrow this is grieving uh, due to uh, I guess you could say living in a sinful world you know sin has tainted this world and that's what creates the problems we find in our world today and so we have sorrow because of these trials and troubles and and so there are many things that we can grieve because of. And let me give you a few. Uh, we can grieve because of our concerns. You know, your concern for yourself, maybe, or someone else, you can grieve over those. We can grieve due to disappointments. Uh something happens that we we're disappointed, and we can grieve. Uh we can grieve due to fears. You know, we're afraid of something, and it causes us to, to grieve and to mourn even. Uh how about loneliness? Some grieve because they they, they feel being alone, and they, they think they're alone in this world. Uh, loss, obviously, is one. Uh, we think of that, and that creates some grief. And usually what happens is, uh, we begin to hurt, right? And the tears come. Now, there's nothing wrong with tears. Let me point that out to you. There's nothing wrong with crying. You know, it's natural to cry. Uh, tears release the pain within, is what they do. It's natural to cry. Those that withhold them or try to keep them back, uh, you know, they, they pen, that's pent up. That that can, uh, studies have shown it can not only hurt, harm you physically, but it's good emotionally and spiritually as far as having tears. You know, Abraham wept when Sarah died. Bible tells us that. It also tells us that David cried upon the death of his children. He cried several times. We find that in scriptures. Uh, Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. All right. So there's nothing wrong with weeping. There's nothing wrong. That's that's the expression of our grief uh, and our mourning. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. Actually, it's probably good to grieve and to have that time of mourning. But we also have what we would call a godly sorrow, a godly sorrow. And that's what I think this verse really is implying here. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the context, uh, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now that refers to those that are humble before God, recognize their need, recognize their condition before the Lord. They're poor in spirit. Uh, And it says here, following that up, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, What we find is a spiritual sorrow, a godly sorrow really is a spiritual sorrow. And it's a sorrow for sin. A sorrow for sin. In other words, uh, you put 3 and 4 together, Once you realize that you're poor in spirit, once you realize you've sinned before God, once you realize that there's those faults within, then that leads to number four, which says you're going to mourn. You're going to grieve because of the sin that's within your heart and the sin that's in your life and the sin that's there. And so what we find is this is referring to what we would call a spiritual sorrow, a spiritual sorrow. And as I go through this message, I will give you some thoughts on the general sorrow to encourage you this morning. But I want to focus also on the spiritual sorrow, the the grieving because of the sin that we have in our life before God. Now, first off, there's Personal sin, personal sin, Alright? That's when you recognize you really are poor in spirit. And you realize, you yeah, know, I've sinned against God. Uh, what is sin? Sin is the transgression of God's law, according to First John. That's what sin is, is when you sin against God. And that's when you come to that understanding that, hey, I have disobeyed God. I have disobeyed his direction, his law. I've disobeyed him. Now, Bible teaches we're all sinners, all right? So none of us can stand back and say, well, that's you guys, not me. Uh, you know, all of us are in that category. For we all sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament, you know, I know God has, uh, Christ has, uh, he has set us free from the law. But if you go back, the law guides us and directs us and shows us our, our shortcomings. You know, the, the first commandment, that's why have no other God before me. There's nobody that's kept that but Jesus Christ. We have all put something above God at some point in our life. Even if it's something simple that I want this. Uh, and you don't go to God for it. In other words, you want it no matter what God says. And you're putting that above God. We've all done that. We've all been guilty of that. So we don't even need to go through the rest of the commandments. We've all been guilty of that. Uh, you see what it is? That's sin. And, and once we recognize that, that tells us we're poor in spirit. The next step should be some sorrow there. Some grief that, hey, I've sinned against God. Not just against someone else, but I've sinned against uh, my creator. I've sinned against God, and you think about sin. There could be past sin that will grieve you. Past sin. Uh, there could be the thought of just the personal unworthiness before God that can grieve us and cause us to understand our situation. Uh, here's the second one. How about public sin? What I mean by this is, this would be the sins of a nation, maybe the sins of a church or the sins of a city. Uh, turn with me view to Luke chapter 19. Let me show you what a little a passage here on Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 19. And it says here in verse 41, and when he was come near, now he's this is Jesus here coming near the city of Jerusalem. He's entering, coming to the city. And notice it says here, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. Notice that he wept over the city. And then it goes on to explain, it says, If thou hadst known even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from the thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. He comes to the city of Jerusalem. This is nearing the end of his ministry, and he'd already been rejected by the leaders. Christ knew all that was about to take place. And what's he do? He doesn't come and condemn the city. He doesn't come and poke fun of the city or say, I told you so. The Bible tells us he wept over the city of Jerusalem. He wept because he knew the condition of their souls and he knew the consequences of their decision or their choice to reject him. And he knew it wasn't good. See, he wept for the city. Maybe here this morning you're grieving maybe for our nation. You know, I grieve for our country. There are some decisions being made by some people. Now, I'm not talking about preferences. I'm talking about sin here. There are some decisions made in our nation that I think we should grieve over as Christians. We should say, you know, that's not good. That is not good. That's against the Bible. That's against God's teachings. And also, you know, you don't have to be a prophet to know the consequences of some of these decisions. You don't have to be a prophet to know that if we reject God, we can't expect His blessings upon our land. We can't expect Him to continue to bless us. So I think as, a, as Christians... We should grieve when we see this. We should grieve when we find out that this is taking place and this is happening. And so that's something I think that we should grieve. That's a, that's a spiritual sorrow that we grieve maybe over our city. Even you know, I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible that you know murder is at a, is, a, is at a high in our country. Isn't that terrible to think that people have no regard for life? I guess we can get back to abortion even. You know, you go all the, the disregard for life in our country should grieve us. Obviously, we want to stay safe ourselves, but just in general, that lives are being taken because people just get upset at somebody and they they react. There's just no regard for life. That should grieve us. And, and that's sin. Folks, that's what this is referring to, a spiritual sorrow, a grieving for sin. And so maybe this morning you're grieving for your city. Maybe you're grieving for the nation or grieving for churches. I see churches that I grieve for. That I Churches I, I believe were once strong churches that have compromised in some areas. I, I just grieve. It's too bad that they've gone that direction. So... Here's the point of this first thought here. A Christian should be able to mourn. All right, You should be able to mourn. You should understand that it's okay to mourn, first off, as far as general sorrow. And second, once you recognize that there's sin, then you should mourn for that. You should be sorry for the sin that's there. So that leads me to my second thought on a Christian being able to mourn. A Christian has help. Okay? A Christian self. If I had to end the message here, wouldn't that be terrible? We just, I mean, we got to go home and mourn and weep and cry. Uh, praise God, we don't have to end here. Praise God that, that we find that there's help. And that leads us to the second half of this beatitude here, and that's the comfort. All right, that's the comfort. So let's talk first about the general sorrow that's in this world today. The general sorrow. Maybe you're experiencing some of that. Uh, maybe you're here. Maybe there's someone here that's mourning today. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're hurt uh, over some situation. Maybe someone in your life. Maybe things happening in your life. Maybe you're mourning and you're wondering well, what can I do? Uh, where can I go? Uh, to whom can I turn? Is there help? Is there help? And and my answer for you as a pastor is, yes, there is. There is help. And that's what I want to show you here this morning. First off, God cares for you. God cares for everyone here. Let me point that out. God cares for you. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 11. Okay, Matthew chapter 11. And let's look at verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28. It says here, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, so here we have Jesus Christ giving what we would call, I call this a great invitation to everyone, to come unto me. Come unto me. And we have him breaking it up into two categories here. He says, come unto me, all you that labor, is the first category. And this is referring to those who work and those who toil. It's actually working, uh, referring to it just an extensive labor, an extensive work. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor. Now, in this passage, what we find here is he is referring to what we would call a laboring. Obviously, God will help us physically. But how about spiritually, a laboring? You know, before I was saved, I was under the impression that I had to do good deeds to get to heaven. I was laboring is what I was doing. I was working, thinking that I could be good enough. I praise the Lord that he opened my eyes up and I, at a young age I realized it's not me, it's him. It's not what I can do, it's what he already did on the cross. And I don't have to labor, I don't have to work, i got to receive the gift that he offers. And that's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor. You don't have to work for this. No amount of work you do can allow you to enter into heaven anyway. Your works are tainted with sin. Nobody here can work enough. Nobody can gain enough money. Nobody can gain enough what we'd call achievements to appease God. We need God's forgiveness. And we need to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. You know, this morning, uh, that's where it begins by the way. If you want the comfort of God, it begins with Christ. And I hope and pray everyone here has received that gift of salvation. Not the... Joining a church, not being baptized, not doing more good deeds than bad deeds, but receiving Christ into your heart as your Savior. Understanding you've sinned against God. And when you come to that understanding, understanding that you need God. See, that's what this spiritual sorrow is. We'll talk about how it leads to repentance here in a minute. How you need God. And because you need God, you're going to look to Him. And that's what we find here. That mourning, that sorrow that gets to the point that I need God. You know, if you're saved here, you've been to that point where you've said, I need God's forgiveness, I need to be saved. If you're not saved here this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, that's something you can take care of today. If God's working in your heart and He's shown you that you need Him, you need His forgiveness, you need to receive Christ as your Savior, and you need to set aside whatever works that you have trusted in or whatever you're doing and believe on Him That's the next step. That's the faith. That's believing on Christ, receiving Christ into your heart. So understanding you're a sinner. You know, people talk about repentance. We'll talk about that here in a minute. That just means a change of mind, a change of direction. In other words, I'm no longer going to trust in these. I'm going to turn to God and put my faith in Him and receive Him. You know, I hope and pray you're saved here this morning, that you've received Christ as your Savior, because that's where the comfort begins. You know, there are a lot of people that are grieving today, and and the way I like to express it is they're on their own. They don't have God. You know, I have grieved, as the passage has talked about, I've grieved. And I couldn't imagine doing it without God. I just couldn't imagine it. You don't have to do it without God, okay? You don't have to do it on your own. You can be saved, you can receive Christ, and God will be your Heavenly Father. And you'll be brought... Into his family so I encourage you to each one examine their heart make sure that they're saved here this morning but how do you get this help all right how do you get what we call help from God if you have what we'd call a general sorrow maybe here this morning you know Christians hurt and you're saved and you maybe had some difficulties or maybe there's some times of grief well how do you get God's help that's what we we'll want to talk about here for just a moment uh, I believe first off you got to go to God all right let's go over in Matthew let me point out Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I'll not read the entire passage, uh, but beginning in verse 1, we have the account of the death of John the Baptist. All right, he was taken. Uh, Herod executed him because he disagreed politically with his stance. Executed John because John took a stand against sin. So he had him executed. Let me point out to you, though, verse 12 of what took place after John died. After John died, it says here, and his disciples, referring to John's disciples, his followers, came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Went and told Jesus. Notice where they went. They didn't go home. They didn't go to tell their families. They went to Christ. They went to Jesus and told him. We find in the rest of the scriptures that it's believed, obviously he accepted them and they ended up following him. Where you go with your problem is important. All right, Where you go with your grief is important. Uh, you can choose to hold on to it and just Keep it in sign. You can choose to find other ways to try to help with it, remedy it. Uh, Some will turn to alcohol. Some will turn to drugs. Just kind of, I guess you would say, to mask the grief. Folks, you can go to Christ for help. And that's what we find with the disciples of John. They went to Christ is who they went to. And that leads us to Philippians next. I want to show out in Philippians chapter 4, show you a passage here of what we find. Philippians chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 6 here this morning, Philippians chapter 4. He says here in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That word careful is referring to like a worry, uh, you know, a fretting. Be careful for nothing. Man, I I wish I could tell you I I followed this verse. Every time I read this verse, I get convicted because there's something I'm worrying about or thinking over. He says, be careful for nothing. Take your concerns to God. In prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, this morning, if you're hurting, if you're grieving, God wants to hear that. God's there for you. He, he, he will hear. He will listen. But you got to go to Him. You gotta to go to him, take your requests to him. Take your concerns to God. And then of course we find one more, first Peter five or seven talks about casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, first Peter five or seven. You know, God wants to hear your cares. You don't have to carry him alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. God's there for you. As Christians, sometimes we get stubborn, right? We get stubborn. I tell my wife, I'm not stubborn. I tell her I'm steadfast is what I tell her. And she don't believe me either. But uh, we get stubborn and we hold on to things and we think we can get it there by ourselves. And then usually what happens is... Uh, we get to the point where we have to take them to God because we get discouraged, depressed, or we run to the point where we just need the help. It's best to start with God from the beginning, right? And and to go with God and say, God, help me help me carry this now. Help me with this burden. Help me with this grief. Help me with this hurt within. And it could be any sort of grief that you're going through, any sort of a mourning that you have, you can take it to God and trust Him to help you. Uh, I was reading recently a, a quote that I thought was interesting and as and good. It says, worry never robs tomorrow of sorrow of its sorrow it only saps today of its joy. And I thought that's good because that's usually what happens. You worry over things and, and and they're still there tomorrow, but we just ruin our life today or hurt our life today because we uh, are no longer joyful. So that's general. So how about godly sorrow? When when we're sorry, sorry because of sin, what should we do with that? Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And let's look at this passage real quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to show you what we find here concerning sorrow of sin and what to do with it and how it works in our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we find what we call godly sorrow or spiritual sorrow because of sin. Verse 10 He says here, let me go back in a little bit more context. Verse six, nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Isn't it wonderful to know that God comforts those that are cast down, those that are discouraged, those that are hurting? And then he says here in verse seven, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, he says, I do not repent, though I did re- did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Notice he says here, here's what he's getting to. Uh, Paul is basically saying, he said, I'm not sorry that I told you the truth. I'm not sorry that I challenged your what we would call your, your poor decisions or the what he was addressing uh, in the letter. He said, actually, I'm happy because guess what? It produced not only the sorrow in your heart, but the repentance that followed. You see, it is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance is what it is. Now, repentance is a word that some, I think it's good for us just to understand. That word uh, repentance means a, a change of direction. It could be a change of purpose. Some have said it means to go from, you know, like a 180 degree turn. You're going one way and you turn the other way. You repent. It's a turning of direction. And he says here, he says that that sorrow is what led them to repentance. In other words, it's that sorrow within. They realized that they were wrong and that's what changed their direction. You know, by the way, you can't change directions if you don't know if you're going the wrong direction, right? If you think you're fine you think you're going the right direction, you're going to keep going. It's when you realize, hey, I've gone the wrong direction, when you turn around and go back. I have made the mistake, driving, of going the wrong direction. And for a few minutes, I thought I was fine. And then I realized, hey, wait, you know, this doesn't look familiar. Where are we at? Turn around and go back. What's the same with our spiritual life? It's not until we realize that we have this sin, and that's what God does. He works in our heart to produce that spiritual sorrow where we say, you know, I have done wrong against God. I have done wrong against him. I need to change directions and I need to go to him, seek his forgiveness. That's that repentance, going to God, seeking his forgiveness. Now, that begins with salvation. We've talked about that already. That begins with salvation, understanding that we've sinned against God and and turning to him for his forgiveness. But you know, also after we're saved, once we make mistakes, that sorrow, that mourning, In the heart should cause us to go to God and seek his forgiveness for that mistake. It should. You see, when we sin against God, we should want his forgiveness. We should want to make things right with him. Because once you're saved, you're not going to lose your salvation. I believe God will preserve you. I believe God keeps you. I do believe that. The Bible teaches, you know, we didn't earn salvation to begin with. You're not going to be able to keep it on your works afterwards. God has given you salvation. It's a gift of God's grace. Once you have it, it's yours. But you know, your fellowship can be hindered. Bible talks about prayers not being answered because of, of sin, because of the, the relationship that, the, that's there. So we can hurt our relationship with God through our sin. And so once you realize that there's some sin there, that's that spiritual sorrow, that understanding that, hey, I, I'm not living the way I should. I'm not doing the things I should. You know, the sin of omission. You know, I should be doing this and I'm not doing this. Well, that's when the repentance comes. That's when it turns you to God. And you get back to God and you seek his forgiveness and your fellowship is restored and you walk with God again. You see, that's a spiritual sorrow here. And when we go back to Matthew 5 where he says they shall be comforted, that's the key to the comfort. All right, The mourning, the grieving is what drives us to God. And that mourning is what gets us to the Lord where we repent and we get things right with him and we're comforted. God provides that comfort. Whether that's general sorrow or spiritual sorrow, what we call godly sorrow. Let's go back to Matthew 5. Let me point something out to you here that I think is important here. It says in verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I want to point out to you this morning, he didn't say they would be comforted in the future or will be comforted at some point. He says they shall be. First off, that's a promise. Okay, That's a statement that God's made here. Christ has made that. And we also find, as far as this statement here, That's something that is current, what we call present. They shall be comforted. You know what that tells us here? That tells us as you mourn, as a Christian, God will comfort you. God will comfort you. You don't have to wait to eternity to be comforted. You can be comforted right now. You can be encouraged in your heart from God at this moment. Every day, every moment, you can be comforted by Jesus Christ. So a Christian should be able to mourn knowing that they will be comforted, that God will comfort them, that God will uh, help them do their difficult times. Here's my final thought here. A Christian has hope. A Christian has hope. You know, if you take hope away from somebody, um, there's no purpose to go forward. That's just the what we find in our world today. If someone doesn't have hope, now hope, that word hope means the expectation of something better, that's what it's referring to. If someone doesn't think that there's anything better out there or that things are going to get better, then they're going to struggle. Uh, and some give up on life sometimes because they have no hope. It's, it's removed for them. But you know what this does? This verse here gives us hope. It does. A Christian has hope. You see, in the midst of grieving, in the midst of mourning, it's easy to lose hope because we're discouraged. We're d- d- distressed. We're having a difficult time. And that's when it becomes easy just to look around at the moment and say, I have no hope. I have no help. But the reality is you do have hope. And that's something I want to encourage you. There's someone here mourning at this moment. You have hope. You see, with God, there's always hope. And you have that. Uh, James chapter 4. Let's go back over there. I read that for our scripture reading this morning. And let me point out a few thoughts to you here from that passage. Uh, I think will help us here this morning on the hope that we have in God because of Jesus Christ. So let's go back to James chapter 4. And we'll look at verses 8 through 10, James chapter 4, uh, verse 8 says here, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep, let your laughter return to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall... Lift you up. So here's what we have here. I got a few quick thoughts. First, uh, be afflicted, is what he's saying here. All right? He says, let, let your sin cause you to mourn. Don't, don't just ignore it. Let, let your, if you, if you have sin in your life, then, then let, it should be something that you mourn over. You know, we talked about the mourning of a city or, you know, over how Jesus mourned over Jerusalem and how we should mourn over the nation. You know, in Ezekiel 21, verses 8 through 10, that's uh, an interesting passage on the prophecy of Israel's like destruction, their doom. And one of the vivid illustrations he gives there is of a, a sword being sharpened. And then he says, should we have mirth? In other words, should you be happy because there's judgment coming? No, of course not. Well, when you know that there's sin that's either keeping you from God for salvation or hindering your relationship with God that that should cause us to grieve and say you know I'm not happy with this I want to get this right and that should cause us to turn so that's first off be afflicted let that really just say hey you know this isn't right I need to get right and then be affected you know he says here let your laughter turn to mourning Don't, don't make light of it treat it seriously and say I'm going to get this right and then be emptied Humbly seek God. Notice it says here, he says, we're, we're in James chapter 4. Uh, he says, here, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So be emptied. In other words, say it's not, God, I have sinned. I need your help. Humble yourself before God. You know, we talk about being poor in spirit. Fall before the Lord with an empty heart. Fall before the Lord saying, God, please help me with this. And, and that's the key here, that humble heart before God. Because you know what the Bible tells us, Psalm 10, verse 17, the, the Lord, it says there, has heard the desire of the humble that will prepare their heart, that will cause thine ear to hear. You know, God hears humble hearts and humble prayers. God wants us to humble ourselves before Him to seek His help. It's the proud words that are not heard. It's those proud, filled with conceit or works that God doesn't it's those humble ones that god says hey you know that's what i hear It's the humility that we recognize how good god is we recognize our need for god and we go to him and then it says be exalted basically he says notice the bible says he shall lift you up it's god that'll lift you up it's god that'll that'll strengthen you and god that'll provide you see god is the one who forgives and god is the one who exalts and god is the one who will replace your anguish with happiness you know, it's interesting. Throughout all the verses we've read this morning, you'll notice he didn't, he, he didn't promise to change your circumstances. You know, that's, that's worldly happiness based upon our circumstances. And I've been there before. Maybe someone here can say, yeah, I've been there too. Where, you know, if everything's going well, I'm happy. When things go bad, I'm not happy. You see, God didn't promise to change our circumstances. He promised to give us joy within, even in the midst of difficult times. You know, you may be mourning this morning. But God can produce a joy in your heart. Whether it's a general sorrow. If it's a general sorrow, God can take and comfort you. You're a Christian here this morning. Maybe you're grieving over something, mourning over something. You know, go to God. Take it to Him. He can comfort you. Uh, If it's over sin, then you need to get to God. You need to go seek His forgiveness whether it's for salvation or if you're a Christian, you just need to get your fellowship right with God, then go to God because he'll also hear that and comfort you. And he's the one that will exalt you. Now, I'm going to give you three final thoughts here this morning. Actually, two, two, not three, two, I'm sorry. Two on what I'd call tools for comfort. God's given us some tools. Of course, we have God. We have the Holy Spirit that will... Comfort us, but he 's given us two other tools I think for comfort that I want to encourage each of you to take advantage of. And the first one is his word let 's go to the book of Romans book of Romans chapter fifteen Romans chapter fifteen. I guess if you 're looking for spiritual medicine here this morning i don 't have a Ability to write a prescription of physical medicine. I'm not a doctor, medical doctor, but I can give you some spiritual medicine here this morning and prescribe this to you. There are two prescriptions I would give you. Here's the first one, and this is in Romans chapter 15. And if you're grieving here this morning or if you're mourning, take note of this. Take note of this. I'll go verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good advocation. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Okay, notice what he says there. He says everything that's written before time was written for you. For your learning. So that you can have hope. You can be comforted, is what he says here: Patience and comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. You see this morning, it's the word of God that will comfort you. So I guess the first prescription I would give you if you're grieving here this morning is get in God's word. Read the Word. Study it. Take time in God's Word. Now, I know you're hearing the Word this morning, so hopefully it'll encourage you in the preaching. But read it tomorrow morning. Read it Tuesday. Take time to read passages. Now, if you're discouraged, the Psalms are a good place to start. There is so much comfort in the Psalms. David was discouraged often. He found comfort. Uh, you know, he wrote about comfort and trusting in the Lord. Uh, but, you know, when you read the Word of God, here's something I have found when I've read the Word of God. First off, God can take passages and he can work in your heart with those. Show you some truth. Show you some things that you need on at that moment. And second, you know when you read through the Bible, you're going to find examples of people. Remember, they were people. There's only one perfect one, that's God. They were people who struggled just like we do today. And that's why these examples are there for us. So we can relate and say, "Oh yeah, God worked to help them through that." You struggle with temptation. What did Joseph do? He was tempted. You know, the the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, you find a lot there. Not only was he tempted, but uh, he was lonely, I'm sure, in that prison. But God didn't forget him. You see, you read through these passages and you'll be encouraged. You read through the Gospels, you'll be encouraged by, by the help that people got from Christ. So I encourage you to read the Word of God, to read the Bible. Even if you're not grieving this morning, read the Bible, let it encourage your heart. And the second one is at the beginning of this, but also I'll turn to another passage, but you'll notice at the beginning of here of chapter 15, he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. So he's saying, if you, in other words, he's saying, hey, you're strong in this area. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not grieving, but you have someone you know who is. Maybe someone in your family or a friend. He says, you can help them out. You can encourage him. And then if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, notice in verse 4, he says here, this is his introduction, uh, Paul's introduction to the church at Corinth, the second letter, he says, Who comforted us in all tribulations, that we, we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of uh, by Christ. You know the second tool that God's given you is other Christians in your life. That's the second tool that God's given you here this morning is other Christians, other believers that can be an encouragement to you. And I'll share this with the church here this morning. There have been times I have come to church as a pastor and I don't tell someone I'm discouraged. You know, pastors has got to come and smile and talk to everybody and get up here. There have been times that someone in the church has encouraged me and they didn't even know it. I can tell you this. there's some in heaven today that encouraged me. I never got a chance to tell them but they encouraged me on a Sunday morning said something, just for an encouragement, a blessing. And they didn't even know they were being a blessing. That's something for us to consider. You know, when you come to church, first, you can be encouraged by others. You can be encouraged just in the fellowship. Isn't it wonderful to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, it's a blessing to fellowship with those that we can be encouraged by. But second, you can be an encouragement to someone by coming to church. You can be an encouragement just by being there. You know, as a pastor, I can tell you this. I enjoy preaching. If nobody was here, it sure would be a lot more discouraging preaching to empty pews than have people here. So I'm encouraged just by seeing people here this morning. And you're an encouragement to me. And I hope and pray that you can find encouragement from others. You see, those that's another tool God's given us, that we can be encouraged and comforted from those around us. You know, in the, past, in the scriptures, we find several passages that talk about the fact that we should comfort one another. We should encourage one another, strengthen one another, sharpen one another, whatever the case may be. You know, God has given us that. Tool there to help us. And so, in closing this morning, here's my final thought on a Christian should be able to mourn. It's not the mourning that produces happiness, okay? Because that's the key there. Happy are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Happy are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Okay, it's not the mourning that produces the happiness, it's the consolation that produces that happiness. In other words, you're not happy because you're mourning, you're happy. Because of the comfort God gives you during that time of mourning. You're happy because the comfort that God gives to your heart as you grieve. The comfort that God gives when you seek Him. That's what produces the happiness. That produces the joy. And so we don't go out looking for grief, alright, as Christians. Uh, we're not to go out and look for difficult times or, or to grieve. But when the grieving comes, we understand as a Christian, we, we grieve and we go to God. And it's God who comforts. It's God who provides that comfort. And God is the one who will take care of our hearts and provide what we need on a daily basis. So this morning, maybe you're mourning here this morning. Maybe there's someone here who has what I would call the general mourning. Maybe you're mourning or grieving over something, uh, generally speaking. And and this morning, I hope and pray you you take that to God. You go to God with that. And you seek his comfort. Ask him to comfort you. I believe he'll answer that. He'll he'll answer that prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and it's a, a spiritual sorrow. Now that's important, alright? What I mean by a spiritual sorrow, maybe you realized here that you've sinned against God. I remember the day I was saved. I didn't, I didn't wake up that day and say, I'm going to be saved today. It was in the middle of a message. It just hit me. I have sinned against God and I need to get this right. And it was a spiritual sorrow that just struck me. Maybe there's someone here that has had that happen to you this morning that you've realized, well, I've sinned against God and I haven't got that settled. I've been trying to be good. I've been trying to do this. I've lived a good life. But you know what? I haven't repented and believed on Christ. I haven't taken care of that. I've been trusting what I can do. I've been trusting my works. This morning, maybe you're here, and that's something you can get settled. All right? That's something you can receive Christ as your Savior. And your spiritual sorrow can be turned into happiness and to joy. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.